Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. If you have a Bible with you this morning, uh, go ahead and grab that. Or if you have a phone or tablet you want to follow along with in God's Word, feel free to do that. If you're new or newish to church, uh, you may be going, I didn't bring a Bible with me. And what do you mean your phone? Uh, so there's an app for everything, right? There's a bunch of Bible apps uh, you can download and follow along with us. Uh, in God's word this morning. So I want to encourage you uh, and turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter three. We made it to chapter three. So exciting. We might finish this thing by the end of the year. Uh, and so it's going to be really great. Um, also, man, uh, we are so blessed to have uh, capable people to come and uh, guide our time in God's word and speak God's word to us. And I know you guys were blessed uh, by Wes last week and hearing the word from Wes. And, um, and so he did so good. He didn't want to come to church this morning. He was like, nah. So anyway, no, nah, daylight savings. He wanted a few extra hours. So uh, he's sleeping this morning. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Wes is on a work trip. Um, hey, uh, but we're so thankful. Um, so thankful for Wes. He did a great job last week. I know you were blessed by that. And uh, so thankful just for uh, all the capable leaders in our church. So um, as you guys turn to Philippians chapter 3, uh, we are going to sort of dive right in this morning um, uh, as, we, as we get going. I want to just remind you, though, of our theme. So uh, you can kind of read this passage through the lens of this theme. And our theme for Philippians has been joy in Christ. This is a repeated theme that Paul makes. Paul is the dude who wrote the book of Philippians, and, uh, and he just goes back to this theme over and over again using the word joy or rejoice. Um, and so we want to be a people during this season, now that we enter November, don't forget about Thanksgiving. Some of y'all, I've been watching your social media, some of y'all flirting with putting your Christmas tree up already. And so that's, that's okay, I'm not the Christmas tree police, but I just want you to know, don't forget about the turkey, all right? No, don't forget about Thanksgiving. Um, but that's one of the reasons we're going through Philippians. I want you to see this theme of joy and rejoice because as we enter the holiday season, sometimes it, we can uh, feel the opposite of joy. We can feel the opposite of rejoice. And, um, and so we want to see what God's word has to say about that. All right. So Philippians chapter three, and we're going to start in verse one. And here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm just going to read a few verses and then I'll come back and talk about them. All right. So we're not going to get through the whole chapter, but I'll read a few verses, come back, talk about them. We'll read a few more verses and we'll stop and go kind of like that. All right. Philippians chapter three, starting in verse one. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. Ah, such good news. All right, here we go says in verse 1, finally, my brothers, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Amen. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. 
All right, let's stop right there. Let's unpack a little bit what's going on here. I love this because he starts this whole thing. He says, finally, brothers. Now, you have to understand that word finally does not mean he's wrapping up, all right? And that may help you guys understand pastors a little bit too, right? So if we, anytime we say in conclusion, finally, my last point, you got a solid 20 minutes left, all right? Like, it does not mean we are at the end. And for Paul, it's the same way. That, that word finally didn't just mean like I'm at the end of my letter, so I've got one more thing to say. He's actually at the midpoint of his letter. What he means is, I'm trying to get your attention. So because of all of chapters 1 and 2, because of all of that, then now this, rejoice in the Lord. So if you go back, if you're just now joining us in our book of Philippians series, like you can go back and listen to our sermon podcast. You can go back and read chapters 1 and 2, and you'll understand Paul says the, the, the result of reading the first two chapters should be to rejoice in the Lord. Um, and I love this because he doesn't just say, hey, um, finally rejoice right? Because uh, don't you, kind of, some, some, sometimes those people can be annoying, right? And no offense if you are those people, like if you're the people who just always go, yeah, I know, but just have, you know, be happy, like have some joy. Let me tell you something, like if you're going through it, if you're upset, depressed, sad, angry, frustrated, the last thing you want somebody to tell you to do is calm down, right? Like that's the worst thing. You telling me to calm down is going to have the reverse effect on me, all right? So if I'm going through it, don't tell me to calm down. Some of y'all getting marriage counseling right now is what's happening. Like, like don't tell me to calm down, all right? Um, instead, maybe what you can do, be angry, throw a chair with me. Like that would, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Don't do that. But what we notice is Paul doesn't just say rejoice. He doesn't just say, hey, I know you're suffering. I know you're going through some trials. I know the church isn't growing as fast as you want it to, and things aren't going well, and you got stuff going on. You got persecution from the government. He doesn't say, but be happy anyway. No, he says, be happy in the Lord. See, guys, none of our circumstances can affect the joy that we have in Christ. Amen. None of our hours, it may affect the joy you have at your job, it may affect the joy that you have in your family. It may affect the joy that you have in friendships or relationships. But let me tell you something. There is nothing that can happen on this planet that can affect the joy that you have in the Lord. And so this is a theme that Paul knows he's repeating, right? Because he says, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and it is safe for you. And I love that he says this because a lot of times I feel like in church, uh, we get to the point where we're like, yeah, I mean, I just feel like every time I come, they're talking about this Jesus guy. Aren't there other people in the Bible, right? And yes, but they all point to the Jesus guy, okay? And like, like I, I know it's sometimes you come in, you go, man, Brandon, all he ever does is talk about the, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Like, come on, there are some other themes in the Bible. And yes, you're right, but all those other themes point to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, okay? So Paul is saying, I know you guys are tired of hearing me say to rejoice in the Lord, but don't worry, I'm not tired yet. It's of no trouble to me. I, I don't mind, but then he says this, he says, there's no trouble for me to remind you of this, but it's also safe for you. He says, see, what I'm actually doing is I'm trying to keep you safe because I don't want you to drift. I don't want you to start drifting. 
And the reason I keep going back to this is because if I don't, then you're going to drift. Like if I don't tell you this, you ever feel like you come to church and you're like, man, in Impact, they're always saying the same things. Like it's always about the gospel, the gospel. Like, come on, man, like take me deeper. And the truth is there is nothing deeper than the gospel. There, it doesn't exist. There's nothing deeper than having a relationship with Jesus. And, and so we do that because it is safe for us. It is safe so that throughout the week we're not drifting in all of these different ways, but we are reminded of the rock-solid truth. So guys, we as a new church, listen to me, we can never get tired of the gospel. We must never move on or move past or decide that there's something else. Because listen, the gospel is not just to help unbelievers get saved, okay? That's not just what the gospel is. It, the gospel is for new believers to help them grow. The gospel is for more mature believers to continue the work of becoming more and more like Jesus. Like we have to have the gospel no matter where we're at. But then he goes on in verse 2. Look at verse 2 for me. Uh, he says, look out for the dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So now he's saying, like, I know I told you it was safe for you. Let me tell you what I'm trying to keep you safe from, right? He says, I'm trying to keep you safe from the dogs. Now, a lot of times we don't understand this, right? Because if I looked at you and was like, I'm trying to keep you safe from dogs, some of you are like, no, bring the dogs to me. Like, I love dogs. Where are my dog lovers at in the church? Yeah, I just want to know. That's what I'm talking about. Um, this message is for you today, all right? I'll talk to the cat lovers later when I have more of a rebuking type sermon. But for now, I talk to the dog. Only the dog lovers like that joke, all right? The cat lovers just are Googling new churches right now. Okay, so the, the dog lovers, <laughs> all right, the dog lovers. Now, let, let me tell you something. Like, you have to think differently because Paul, for up to this point, has had nothing but nice things to say, all right? He's been like, I love you. I have affection for you. You guys are like my brothers and sisters, and I rejoice in the Lord, and I can't wait to be with you, and we're going to have so much fun. We're together. And then he says, watch out for the dogs, the evil people. Like all of a sudden he's talking about these people and the word dog back then was not like now where it's kind of like a slang. Like, what's up dog? Like, it's not like a slang, like a term of endearment. It's not like, oh, I saw a cute puppy the other day. Like, it's not that. Dogs were mean animals back then, right? Dogs got into a lot of trouble back then. Dogs were ugly usually. Uh, dogs were disgusting. They were usually brought a lot of diseases with them. And dogs were like wild. Like they came from the wolf family, okay? So like they were like aggressive and they would destroy things. Like they would go into people's homes and just destroy things. Kind of like my golden doodle still does to this very day. All right. So don't be fooled by his cuteness. I wanted to show you guys a few pictures. I don't know if you guys have seen this uh, uh, dog shaming uh, movement that happens. All right. I just found a few that I thought were kind of fun. Just to give you a picture and idea of the type of dogs that Paul's talking about. All right. Now, whoa, 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 go back. I didn't even get to read the signs. Okay, this one ate Chloe's braces, which I would love to just see how that one turned out, all right? Uh, not really, but okay, go to the, the next one. This says, I didn't want my dad to pass the PE exam, which is uh, some engineering exam. Anybody know it's like a professional engineering exam? Yeah, the dog ate the calculator. Like, you can't see how the calculator is literally destroyed into different pieces. Okay, go, go to the next one. I ate a lamp. And, uh, and, but the fact that the dog's still alive and it explains the haircut. Okay, go to the next one. 
um, I did this and I'm not sorry. And that's when I'm talking, that's my dog, all right? That's totally my dog, except my dog would be like smiling, like, let's play together. This is fantastic. All right, are there any more? Yeah, and then uh, I ate toilet paper during a pandemic, which is like the absolute worst, like the dog's got to go, call uh, whatever, I will remember you. Okay, is that it? Okay, praise God. Okay. Um, I want you guys to see just a little bit, though, of like what Paul is talking about. Like he's, he has a lot of disdain for the people that he's talking about. So he's telling them, I want you to beware of these dogs, these evildoers, like, um, you know, these people who, who don't have your best interest at heart. And then he literally calls them those who mutilate the flesh. And um, I want to give you kind of a background of what this talks about, because um, what he's talking about is the idea of circumcision. And back then, that was a big deal because circumcision was like the way that God's people identified themselves to the rest of the world, okay? So circumcision was like, um, that was something set apart that God told his people, I want you to do this as a marking, as a way to set yourself apart from the nation so that everyone will know that you are my people and I am your God. But then what happened is Jesus came on the scene and Jesus said, you don't need to do all of that stuff anymore. Like, like you don't, you're not bound by the law, you keep breaking the law. Like you guys keep messing it up. And so Jesus said, I'm coming and I'm actually going to like pay the price for you guys breaking so much of God's law. And Jesus gave his life for us, like died on the cross for us. And that forgave all of us. And so what happened is people who wanted to follow Jesus, Jews were coming in and going, sure, you can follow Jesus, but you still got to be circumcised, right? And imagine like, you know, I mean, that's not like the most comforting thing. It's like, you know, if, if we handed out cards, like, okay, this week, like, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. Okay. And so that's what's kind of happening. And so what's the big concern about this wasn't just the circumcision. It's that Paul and the disciples were preaching the gospel, that there is nothing you can do to to earn God's favor, you just believe in Jesus. And by believing in Jesus, you will, you will have God's favor. It's a grace to you. It's a free gift to you. And the problem is when you say, but you also have to be circumcised is you're adding to the gospel. Okay. You're adding to, you're saying, yes, you need Jesus, but you also need this. And so when you add to the gospel, you lose the gospel. When you add to the gospel, you actually lose the gospel because it's not, the equation is not Christ's work plus your work equals heaven, okay? It's not Jesus does what he can do and then you fill in the blanks and do the best you can do and then you'll get into heaven. No, the equation is just Christ's work and your faith equals heaven. That's it. That's the equation. Um, so then he goes in in verse 3, and he says, in fact, we are the circumcision. And the circumcision, like, equaled the promises of God, okay? So if you were circumcised, you were part of God's people, meaning you inherited all the promises of God. And so Paul says, you don't need to be circumcised. You are the circumcision. Like, you are the promises of God fulfilled. Like God said, he was going to have a people from every nation, language, tribe, and tongue, and I'm looking at them. Like, they're right here in front of me. You don't need circumcision. You don't need to add to. You are the gospel. Like, every promise of Jesus exists in you. Like, you hold it. You have it. You possess it. So I love that. And so what Paul's really getting at, he's like, man, let's, let's figure out, like, how do we know that we're really a follower of Jesus? Because look at verse 3 with me. He says, for we are the circumcision 
And then he's going to tell us like how we know that. Who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So if you're taking notes, write these three things down because these are the marks of a true follower of Jesus. So if you're here today and you're like, Brandon, I'm hearing this, man. I want this. Like, how do I know if I have this? Like, I was raised in church. I said a prayer when I was four. I I was baptized when I was five. I think maybe I, I have it or I think I'm saved. I'm not sure. Like, Paul right here is telling us, here are some marks, some evidences of our life to know that we've been changed by Jesus. All right, and here's the the first one he says, you will experience the Holy Spirit. He says, you will worship in the Spirit. But this word worship is really cool because the word worship and service go hand in hand in the Bible. So, So it was not like, okay, serving is when I go out and build a house for someone who doesn't have a house, and worship is when I get dressed up and go to church, sing some songs, and go home. Like that's for us in America, that's often how we think about those two ideas. But for the original audience here, that word was the same. To say that I'm going to serve is the same as saying that I am going to worship. Our service is an act of worship. Do you understand now why we call it a worship service? Okay, because we are literally serving the Lord with our worship. We are not at a concert. We are not singing songs we like or know or don't like or don't know. We are literally serving the creator of the universe by singing praises to him and by worshiping him. So when we worship, we are serving him. And when we serve him, we are worshiping him. And that's how it works. And that all, is we need the Holy Spirit to do all of that. Um, And the cool thing is this doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings, right? The cool thing is a worship service doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. It can happen when you go to work. It can happen when you're walking around campus. It can happen when you are just hanging out with friends and family. Like you can experience the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not live in this room. The Holy Spirit lives in every follower of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit, we don't have to ask him to fill a room. We can literally ask him to fill us. And wherever we go, the Holy Spirit of God will go. Number two He says we should boast in Christ. So if you're curious, like, how do I know the marks of a true follower of Jesus? Well, I experience the Holy Spirit and I boast in Christ. That word boast literally means you are so satisfied in Jesus. You are so satisfied in Jesus that you are enthusiastic about it. Let me ask you guys a question. You ever eaten a meal before that satisfied you so much that you wanted to tell somebody about it? Raise your hand, bro. I know you have. Yeah, I'm looking at Logan. I'm like, man, I know. I know. Because, like, I've been with some of you, and I've eaten with some of you. And it's like watching a worship service in itself. Like, I don't know. You know, also know I've learned uh, with some of my Korean friends, even some in Asian culture, like, have these, uh, make videos, entire videos of just watching people eat. And like, that's it. That's the new phenomenon. Like you just watch TikTok and you, or YouTube and you watch somebody eat for an hour. Like it's, it's just an obsession with food. But if you've had that, like for me, man, um, I don't know what it would be today. Maybe my taste palate has changed a little bit. But for me, man, it was always uh, at Outback Steakhouse. Like I go to Outback and it was just something about the whole experience. Like they bring out that brown bread. And here's the deal. Like I, I know some of you might be like, I worked at Outback and that place is gross and you're going to die. And we all going to die and meet Jesus. I just die with the brown bread. All right. And so like, like it's the brown bread and then you put like some of the butter on it and the butter soaks into the, does anybody know what I'm talking about? You guys look, yes. Okay. All of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Okay. And so like you have all of that and it's just so satisfying that you just need a minute. You're like, man, this is so good. 
Like, I just love that. And guys, that's what we mean when we mean boasting in Christ, that your relationship with God is so satisfying to you that you can't help but to be enthusiastic about it. And that's what it means to boast in Christ. Number three is that we don't rely on ourselves. We don't rely on ourselves. This is basically, for some of us, man, we are conditioned through our work environment, through what our bosses tell us, through our supervisors, through our training. We are conditioned through teachers and professors. We are conditioned through our parents and through our different cultures, whether that be Asian culture, Hispanic culture, white culture. Like We are convinced um, through all of this that at some point we can't rely on nobody but ourselves. And guys, that is anti-gospel. The gospel says you can't even rely on yourself that things are a lot worse than you actually think they are because you can't rely on nobody else and you also can't rely on the man in the mirror. That you can only rely on Christ. And so for some of us, man, we need to start organizing a vote of no confidence in ourselves because we walk around like we can actually accomplish something. And the fact is we can't. And that's what Paul is saying. So, so some marks of if you're really following Jesus, do you experience the Holy Spirit? Do you boast in Christ? And are, are you not relying on yourself? All right, let's keep reading here in verse 4. You guys with me? All right, Philippians 3, let's uh, read verse 4. Then Paul says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. <laughs> it's really funny. He says, hey, don't boast in confidence in yourself. But, uh, but I can, because listen to this. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, guys, listen, that word, the flesh, I know for some of us, we just got out of Halloween and we're thinking about some gory stuff. All right, listen, that word flesh literally just means ourselves, okay? That's what it means, ourselves. All right, uh, verse 5. Now, Paul's going to tell us what he, has conf- what he could have confidence in. Verse 5, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the people of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As to zeal, I persecuted the church. As to righteousness under the law, I am blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Amen? I love this because what Paul's doing here is he's given us like his resume, all right? He's giving us a list of his accomplishments, all right? And, uh, and so for us, like sometimes I, I brought my resume along and, uh, and I, I don't know, I, I was wondering, maybe I'll give it out to some of you if any of you are hiring uh, later this week. Um, but uh, honestly, um, I was joking with Ellen because I, I didn't tell, I hadn't gone over my sermon with Ellen yet. She has to approve all of my sermons, um, at least the ones that have to do with her. And, uh, and so I was, I printed out my resume and I put it down. Now, truth be told, I have not used my resume um, in like 13 years, all right? Um, it's just kind of the nature of church planting and doing all this. Uh, but I did update it like six years ago. And, uh, and when I did, like I was, I was looking through it and I just printed it out and I put it on the counter and uh, I didn't realize it sat there all day. And Ellen kept passing by and passing by. And finally, she just sent me a text when she was out running errands. And she goes, hey, by the way, uh, why, why don't you print your resume out? Everything okay? Anything you want to talk about when I get home or anything? I'm like, yeah, babe, it's a, it's a sermon illustration. It's okay. We baby going to eat this week. All right. So, um, 
But uh, this is what Paul did. Paul, Paul's printing out his resume. Like, listen to it. He says, um, I was circumcised on the eighth day, right? I was people of, like I was doing all this. And this is what he does. He takes his resume, and then he says, but, in verse 7, whatever gain I had in our resume, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. So this way he says, man, some of us, you know, we love putting resumes together. You know why? Because it's all about us. We love it. That's why we love, like, uh, anytime we get a chance to talk about our favorite subject, right, which is always us, and we love that, and, and we get a chance to boast, and you kind of look through this, and I, even I was looking through, I was like, man, I forgot all about that. That's really cool. Man, this is great. Man, maybe I should send this out. Like, this is pretty good stuff, you know, and you start looking at it, and you're like, man, look at me. Like, I've got all these awards, these accomplishments, this education. Like, I stack it all up, and what happens is I start to stack it up, man. I go, man, I got diplomas and degrees and masters and doctorates, and I got, I got references, and this person's my reference, and he's like a president of something, and he's like, I got this, and I served as this, and I did all all this stuff, and we stack it all up. And then Paul says, but the point is to get to a point in your relationship with God where you're like, that's all a loss to me. I don't care anything about my resume anymore because the things that I used to care about, the things that used to matter to me are like a loss now compared to knowing Christ. Like, I got Christ in my corner now, and all the things I used to boast about, all the things I used to brag about, all the things I put on paper, nice and shiny, to make me look good in front of people who don't even know who I am, is all a loss now. Because all I care about is Christ's approval. That is it. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul, uh, he goes on and kind of starts, starts writing some of this down, right? Like, he's writing down some of his, uh, some of his resume and, uh, and he's, sorry, you guys can't really see this, can you? He starts writing some stuff down. He's like, uh, yeah, so I, I was, uh, man, I just forgot how to spell all of a sudden. Is that right? I don't know. Who cares? Oh, thanks, man. Oh, yeah, I got it. All right. Jose's got my back. All right. So like, he's like, man, I was circumcised. Now, this was a big deal, right? Because um, remember, he's just talking about that. And not just circumcised, but he was circumcised. On the eighth day. Now, you know what that means? That means we didn't waste any time. Like, like you didn't get circumcised when he was 12 or 13. Like, he got circumcised on the eighth day. So not only am I circumcised, like, not only am I a Jew, but I'm like a Jew since I was breathing. Like, I am, that makes me better than any other Jew, actually. Um, then he goes on and says, I'm of the people of Israel, right? I mean, that's a big deal. He's like, I'm a Jew. I was a Jew since I was born. I'm of the people of Israel. Like, I'm, a, I'm kind of a big deal, right? Then he says, I was in the tribe of Benjamin. Now, guys, listen, Israel had 12 tribes, and, uh, and they were kind of ranked. Like, just to be honest with you, some of them were more important than others, all right? And like, God gave each of them a special thing. The tribe of Benjamin, while it was not the wealthiest or the most prestigious tribe, um, it is the tribe that King David came from, okay? So to the Jews, this was a really big deal because this is king lineage tribe right here, all right? So Paul is like telling them, like, I am, I'm a really big deal. He says, and I'm not just a Hebrew, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Like, you guys think you're really cool because you're Hebrew? I'm like... I'm like the ultimate Hebrew. Like, I am the man, right? Um, then he says, in fact, I also served as a Pharisee. 
Now, Pharisee was a religious leader. So it's not like I went to seminary. So I'm like really on top of like I studied theology, right? I got a doctorate. It wasn't that. It was like, no, actually, I teach the doctorate students. Like I am I am as high up as you could possibly go, right? Then in verse 6, he says, I got a bunch of zeal because I actually persecuted the church. So you talk about like enthusiasm. Let me tell you how enthusiastic I was. I was throwing stones at these Christians. Like I was so zealous and enthusiastic for God. I was killing people. Like that's pretty crazy, right? Then he says like I was under the law and he uses this word. He says when it comes to keeping all of the rules of the Old Testament, I was blameless. There was nothing I couldn't do. And guys, I think a lot of times we get to this point in our life where we start listing all the things that we think really matter. And the problem is, if you put your hope in those things, they will always let you down. Always. Like at some point, no one's going to care about these things. Or at some point, a travesty is going to happen. You're going to get a phone call or have a conversation with someone. Or you're going to go through some suffering or some trials. And when you do, none of these things are going to matter to you. None of the resume is going to be helpful to you. And so you know what Paul did? Paul started going through in verse 7. He says, I actually, now that I know Christ, like now that I found Christ, I actually realized all the things I worked really hard to accomplish in my life. And for us, it's, you know, nobody's walking around boasting about, you know, being of the tribe of Benjamin or whatever. But for us, man, there are things we boast about, right? We boast about our jobs. Man, I, I make this much money. I moved to Northern Virginia. I got a job in D.C., and now I'm making this much money. And um, I got this kind of house, and I got these cars, or my family did this. Or you look on social media, and we're only posting the best of the best pictures. Like, we didn't post the 12 pictures where our kids are breaking down. We posted the one where they're, like, halfway smiling before they broke down. Like, we're, we're posting all this stuff, right? We're not posting the pictures of our dog eating a lamp. We're posting pictures of, like, our dog chasing a toy, you know? Like, like we're, we got all this stuff in our life that we're trying to make look nice and fresh and pretty and we're putting our trust and our hope in it. And guys, we can't do that anymore. In fact, we can't even put our hope and trust in religious activity. We can't even put our hope and our trust, well, I was raised in church, so I'm going to be good. Guys, that, that, that's, that's exactly what Paul was saying. I was raised in church since I was eight days old. All right. Like we go through this and we do it even religiously and we say, well, I'm not a bad person. But then we have to ask the question compared to who? Right. You're not a bad person compared to your neighbor who like sets things on fire for fun. Right. Like you're not a bad person compared to them. But what but we don't compare ourselves to our neighbors. We compare ourselves to Jesus and guys compared to Jesus. We stink like we're not the greatest people. And so I want you to think about what your list is. I want you to think about what is your list of things that you tend to boast in, that you tend to put a little bit of trust into. Well, I'm physically healthy, so I'm never worried about that, so I put a lot of trust into my physical health. Well, I'm young, well, I'm making some money, I put a lot of trust in that. I want you to think about what are the things that you're putting a lot of trust in right now, and then what we got to do is we got to do what Paul did, 
And we got to start going through them. And we got to say, all these things, actually, we found worth and value in. That's why they're written in black, just like a budget, an expense report. We put all the things in black that we thought were going to equal an amazing life. And then Paul grabbed the red pen. And Paul started going, nope, that doesn't matter anymore. That doesn't matter anymore. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter anymore. He says, in fact, now that I've found Christ, none of this stuff matters to me. He says, in fact, it put me in the red. It put me in the negative. And so now he says, all I have is the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And guys, that's where we want to get too. That's where we want to be, where we are able to say, you know what? I had a bunch of stuff. I had all this stuff. But man, all of a sudden, now that I know Christ, none of this stuff matters to me anymore. Like the addictions that I had, the problems that I face, the problems that my parents face, the, the generational curses that I feel bound to, those things don't matter anymore. My successes, sure, they're nice. I'm not trying to be a downer to you today. Like, success is nice. But guys, you can't count it as value for your life because one day it'll let you down. One day you won't get chosen for the promotion. One day you won't get the raise. One day your kids are going to disrespect you. One day, one day things are going to happen. And when that happens, you'll realize that these things run you in the red. But Christ is of surpassing value. So for us, guys, I want you to know you have an opportunity today, a gift before us today, to know Christ intimately, to loose our grip on the world. And I want you to notice what Paul says in verse uh, 8. He says, for his sake, I suffered the loss of all things. Can I just be honest with you? Losing things of the world to become closer to Jesus can feel like suffering sometimes. Because sometimes you're going to lose prestige, you're going to lose popularity, you may lose friends, you may lose a way of life that you were comfortable to. But let me tell you something, it is God's grace, listen to me, when we are clinging on to the things of this world, and every time when God loosens a finger, it is His grace to us. When He continues to loosen our grip on the things of this world so that they fall, and all we have is Christ to hold on to. I know it is suffering. I know it's hard to lose things. We have all suffered loss and grief unimaginably the last few years. I understand that. But could it be God's grace to us to loosen our grip on the things we once found important so that we can find the ultimate reward in Christ? There's a famous hymn that goes like this. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 9 with me. Verse 9, Philippians 3, 9, it says, 
Paul says, and I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may, all circle this verse, church, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Oh, what a life goal this is. In verse 9, but listen, this is something that can only be said by someone who is treasuring Christ. So if you read this like me, and I go, some of this is scary. Like the word suffering, the word death, the word death again, the word, like if I'm looking through that, I'm like, some of this is scary to me. I don't like that. Then I know there might be some ways in my life, some loosening that God needs to do in my life on the things of this world. Because someone who treasures and values knowing Jesus This would be the prayer for all of us. Look at verse 9. Paul says, I want to be found in him. But isn't that interesting? Because where is Paul right now? Paul is in prison. It's like, Paul, you ain't going to be found in Christ, bro. You're going to be found in Rome, in the jail. Like, that's where you are found right now. And Paul says, no, actually, it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter if I'm in a jail cell in Rome. It doesn't matter if I'm shipwrecked on an island. It doesn't matter if I'm in the middle of a beautiful church preaching the gospel. It doesn't matter if I'm at home eating dinner. I just want to be found in Christ. That no matter where I am, do you see a theme here? It does not matter what your circumstances say about you. What matters is, are you in Christ? Are you so intimately in Christ that when Christ comes back, he ain't going to have to look hard to find you? That he's going to know, man, you are in me. That yes, you might be going through a storm. Yes, you might be going through suffering, but you are not alone because you are in Christ. Guys, listen, notice Paul doesn't say, I want to be found in a church building. Paul doesn't say, man, I want to be found like in my car jamming out to Hillsong or Elevation. Like He doesn't say, I want to be found doing a bunch of religious activity. Paul says, no, no, I just want to be found in Christ. There's not that there's anything wrong with what we're doing. It's just that, guys, this isn't all there is. There is a real relationship with a real Jesus who is really alive. And guys, we can have that. We can have that. You can have that. And guys, we don't have to cover up not having that with a bunch of religious activity. It just gets in the way. He says, man, I, he says, I don't want to have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. I want to have that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, I want you to see this for a second because right here, man, right here is an amazing thing because Paul uses the word faith, but that word faith can also be translated the word trust. And that word trust is kind of like, um, in its original language, would have meant to lean on something. And so here's what, here's what Paul is literally saying. He says, you can depend on, you can try to find righteousness from one of two places. You can try to find righteousness from all the good things you've done, which are, is, a, is a rat race a never-ending Northern Virginia rat race that you will never, ever win. There are no winners, okay? You will just die really tired and dissatisfied, okay? I watch it all the time. This is, this is the rat race, the Northern Virginia. I've got all of my works, all of my accomplishments, all the things that I've tried to do. And then your righteousness before God 
is still going to come up short. Every time. You're right. But the righteousness of Christ is perfect. The righteousness of Christ never fails. The righteousness of Christ is infallible. The righteousness of Christ stands firm. The righteousness of Christ is true and it is perfect. And the righteousness of Christ stands in our place. And when you put your trust in Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you lean on Jesus, you lean away from your own works and you lean into Jesus' works. And you say, my works will never be good enough. So Jesus, I want to be covered by your works. Like I want to be covered with your righteousness, not try to find a righteousness or perfection or standard of my own. I'm tired of living up to Northern Virginia's standard. Man, I, I can't live up to Jesus' standard, but Jesus says I can come anyway. And Northern Virginia says you got to stay away because you don't meet our standards. And Jesus says, no, you are welcome at this table. You come and you can have my righteousness. Yours doesn't cut it, have mine. And guys, that's for anyone who will lean, we call this word repentance, but anyone who will stop leaning on themselves and lean on Jesus. Put your weight on Jesus. Take rest in Jesus. You know what it means when you're leaning on something? You're also resting. You're not constantly concerned with being good enough or trying harder or being the right religious person or fitting into the church crowd. You're just resting. But you're not resting in yourself. You're resting in the Lord. Guys, that's what Jesus wants for us. Paul ends in verse 10. He says, uh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, share in his sufferings, become like him in his death, that by any means possible I can attain resurrection. Here's what he means. And worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up, but here's what it means. What it means is, Paul says, I want to know Christ so deeply. I want to be so found in him that he says, I want to never get tired of knowing Jesus more. Church, let me tell you something. I don't care if you're here today and you go, Brandon, I only understood about, you know, 10% of every word you said. I want you to know the gospel is for you today. And if you're here today and you go, Brandon, I want you to know I understood 100% of what you said and I thought of another 10% you should have said. I want you to know the gospel is good for you today too. I want you to know that no matter where we are, the gospel is good news for all of us no matter your spiritual maturity, no matter where you find yourself, having a good day or a bad day, easy to rejoice, hard to rejoice, I want you to know that Jesus is with you and Jesus is for you. And the gospel is like a treasure chest. And it, like a relationship with Jesus isn't something we did when we were five. You listening to me? A relationship with Jesus is not something you did at Sunday school when you were 10. A relationship with Jesus is not something your parents have and you can attach yourself to it, like hitch a wagon, all right? A relationship with Jesus is for every single person who will stop leaning on themselves and start leaning on Jesus. And you don't have to live vicariously through nothing. You can have it yourself because Jesus loves you that much. And if you've had that, and you've had it since you were four, you've had it since you were 10, praise God. <clears throat> I hope you're not tired of it yet. Do you know why God's giving us eternal life? Do you know why he's not just giving us 74 trillion years? 
but instead he's giving us eternal life. Do you know why? Because that's how long it's going to take to know Jesus intimately. That's how beautiful he is. That's how merciful he is. That's how loving he is and how gracious he is. That's how amazing he is and worthy he is. That's how loving he is and caring that he is and personal and intimate that he is. That it is going to take you 497 quadrillion years plus an eternity to know the depth of who he is. That's a savior I want. That's a God I want to worship today. And guys, it's worth it to leave the things of the world and attach yourself to the, immerse um, yourself in knowing Jesus more. Look at this picture of um, a place I was at this summer with our Oregon team. This is a place called Crater Lake. And uh, the thing about Crater Lake is it is the deepest lake in North America. And it's like the second or third deepest lake in the world. And um, it's so deep. That's a volcano in the middle of it. And then that picture doesn't do it justice. Doesn't do it justice. Okay. The lake is so deep. They have already had the most scientific discovery from this lake than any other natural creation in North America. And they've only discovered 10% of it. They've discovered more from this lake than any other natural creation in North America, and they still haven't even seen 90% of the lake. That's how deep it is. Guys, that's God's love for you. That's Christ to us. That right now, you think you know Christ, and you're hanging out at 10%. Man, let's dig a little deeper. Let's open our hands a little more. And let's take our weight a little bit more off of the world and put it on Jesus. Will you guys pray with me? Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.